the Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a compliment to the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and this week I'm so pleased to welcome my friend and my mentor, Tad Hargrave. This episode will be particularly interesting for all the holistic practitioners out there because Tad is the owner of Marketing for Hippies. He's an amazing marketing trainer and educator. I've done his workshop many times, and it kind of reminds me of Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. You go to a workshop with Tad and you know you're learning about marketing, but you feel like you're learning about yourself, your soul, and how to be a better citizen of the world. In this interview, Tad talks about marketing, healing, authenticity, and a truly sustainable economy. I think you'll find it really interesting. I joined Tad over Skype. He was at home in Edmonton, Alberta. So Tad, tell me, in your opinion, what really good marketing is. Oh, wow. Um, Really good marketing. It doesn't feel like what most people would associate with marketing. I think what most people associate with marketing has a very cold, sterile, manipulative, pushy, exploitive kind of crass feeling to it. And and I feel like when people think about marketing, we're often thinking about it as something that is sort of done to us, or if we're doing it, it's something that we have to do to other people. And so the direction of it is it's coming from me out to the people who I'm marketing to. And that often renders the potential buyers, the marketplace is sort of like um, inert, uh, objects who, who we need to act on mm. that if we don't do something they're not <clears throat> you know going to buy from us or from anybody and so we have to be marketing and what we can forget in that is that they're looking for solutions to their problems themselves they're actually very active they're not passive at all um you know there's the old adage that people uh people love shopping people just hate being sold to um and so to me really good marketing honors the fact that people are already out there looking for something um and makes it very easy for them to find it and safe for them to check it out to see if it's a fit um and sort of underneath that i think bad marketing comes from the agenda to get people to say yes Mm-hmm. That yeah. that's that's the core driver of it, <laughs> and it's explicitly said in a lot of sales and marketing. You know, if you didn't close them on the possibility of buying, they closed you on their limitations, and you know, 
uh, and even the idea of, idea of closing, that whole language of like we're closing something as opposed to opening a conversation. So I feel like that's the uh, agenda of bad marketing. And good marketing has three kind of agendas to it. And the first is just to get people's attention. The second is to establish if it's a fit or not. And third is to lower the risk of taking a step and checking it out. Right. Yeah. So I, in my practice, and I know in, in, in your work, because you've, you've defined your niche so well, um, we, we, the two of us end up working with a lot of coaches and teachers and yogis and healers mm-hmm. and people for whom uh, building their practice or getting their work out into the world really cuts close to the bone because it's so closely identified with who they are, you know, like they are bringing forth uh, the yeah. greater purpose. And so there is this icky feeling about having to talk about yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it brings up a lot of vulnerability and also um, the tension between, well, is that my ego and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So I wonder about how, how you, as a, as a teacher and practitioner, have handled how people's stuff comes up when all they're trying to do is, like, write a sales page. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you know? Like, tell me just a little bit about what that's like for you as a teacher with people, you know, really encountering themselves and their their shadow and their their vulnerability in their business. Yeah. Um, I, I send them to people like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I kind of joke. I don't, I don't feel like that's my particular strong suit is working with people through <coughs> the, the depths of that. Um, and my sort of, it does come up a lot. And I think this is part part of the fact that it comes up at all is an indication of, of a, a number of things. Um, the first thing it's an indication of is it's just not natural to brag about yourself a lot. Um, just who does that? Who would walk around being like, I'm the best, you know? Um, it's really natural to brag about our friends you know, if you were at a party and some, and, and I was, oh my God, this is Carmen. She's so amazing. She, you know, that would seem lovely uh, that somebody is bragging about their friend. But if I was like at a party and I was like, yeah, I'm Tad. I run marketing for hippies. It's a big deal. Why don't you sit down? I'll tell you, it just feels so gross. Um, so I think that's <clears throat> the first thing it's an indication of. And there's a very natural response um, because we don't want to be considered braggarts and, um, we don't want to be turning all these social situations into selling situations. So I think that's a very human, normal, appropriate response. I'm glad that people feel that way about it. But uh, there are definitely deeper cuts to it of ways that um, notions of deserving have shown up in this culture and in business. You know, and there's it's like charging what you deserve, you know, and, and uh, pitches like if you don't sign up for this program, then maybe you don't think you're worth ten thousand dollars. You know, uh, so this notion of deserving gets um, brought into it, and it really complicates everything emotionally. So when somebody's like trying to figure out what to charge, it becomes this whole like, oh my god, well, 
maybe I don't think I'm worth that. And shouldn't I think I'm worth that? And so trying to figure out a price based on what I'm worth as a human being um, is very tricky and uh, painful and just I don't think the right direction to go. Actually, I want to just like shout out quickly before we move on that you wrote a fabulous blog post about this, why charging what you're worth is bullshit. And I read it and was like, wow, that friend speaks my mind. It (laughs) it was really well done. Sorry to interrupt. So what's the second thing? Uh, Well, so the other thing is that, um, you know, Mark Silver, our, our mutual colleague, talks about this a lot about how much heavier all these decisions get when we think it's about our life purpose. And, you know, he comes from a Sufi tradition and, and from that tradition, our only purpose in life is to keep opening our hearts wider. Like that's it. <laughs> and everything else is just sort of what we do during the daytime. And so people will, you know, around conversations around niche or around, offerings we can take it very personally and be like oh is this yeah my life purpose is this this and um and i think it can actually be useful to sort of pull some things apart a little bit and be like well maybe our purpose is actually something bigger and grander than could ever really be encapsulated in a business Mm -hmm. um and maybe our purpose doesn't depend on a certain business succeeding like that the whole business could fail and we would still be successful in our purpose Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that. And then there's this other place where, yeah, we're putting ourselves out and risking rejection. And yet the, I mean, this is where it can really be sort of a path of personal growth, but, um, we actually want to court rejection because what happens is people will, (laughs) out of the desire to avoid being rejected, will become very neutral because uh, they don't want to offend anyone. They don't want to push anyone away. So they, you know, stop um, being themselves. They stop saying what they really think. And that is is very neutral and it doesn't defend anyone, but it also doesn't draw anyone in. Um, and that often, you know, people have a lot of, there's some clients that the potential clients they meet who are just immediately a yes to them. Just like, Oh my God, I want to work with you. Some are just a no. It's like, Oh my God, you're a quack and they just no chance they're going to work with them. But there's a lot that are maybe, and it's usually like 80, 60 to 80% of potential clients are just maybes. And they're maybes because we're not being vulnerable. We're not being honest about who we are. So, you know, it's like if the role of marketing is to just get people to say yes, then I don't need to be vulnerable. I just need more marketing tactics and more pushiness. But if the role of marketing is to help establish if there's a fit or not, uh, I need to be really vulnerable. And like you, it's so funny. Actually, I give your example at my workshops a lot these days. Of, um, you know, you had your, if, if I think for the mentoring on your sales page, and you had the, you know, here's how you would know if you're a fit. Da, da, da. Here's how you'd know if you're not a fit. And one of them was if you believe in a, a spiritual hierarchy and ascended masters and theosophy and all that, we're probably not going to be a fit. And that really risks rejection. And not even risk it, of course, you're asking for it. Mm-hmm. You're being like, if this, you know, you just know who's a fit for you and who's not. And this is the whole idea of like niching. Like, yeah, niching is finding our role in the community, finding our role in the ecosystem. And um, there's a particular role that we have. We can't be everything to everybody. And so 
and, and we can't reach everyone. Not everyone is going to be an ideal client for us. Not everyone is going to be a fit. And so instead of wasting time around that, instead of spending a lot of time with, because uh, people will trick themselves. They'll be like, oh man, I got so many people in the pipeline. That's great. But what they mean is I've got so many maybes. Right. And those maybes, the, I mean, the two truths about maybes is one, maybes never buy. Um, and number two, they almost always turn into no's mm. in the end because um, eventually they meet somebody who they're a yes to. Right. And And I think you could say that too, even just about opportunity. Like even if you're not a person in business, as you are moving through your life and you are equivocating all the time or trying to be all things to all people or, you know, um, how many, how many roles are you fulfilling in your life where it doesn't really feel like the best fit? I, I can see how this is, this could superimpose onto life presenting you with lots of opportunities that are just maybes and none of them are ever really going to feel like that soul satisfying role that you're fulfilling or, or, um, project that you're doing or, um, you know, whether it's a a job or a role like, um, taking a year out to parent or, or whatever it is. It's like when you're equivocating all the time and not really, you know, planting your stake in the ground and saying, this is who I am and this is what I stand for. Life does sort of present you with kind of a meandering wishwash of maybe opportunities. Whereas I think when you plant your stake in the ground, life rises to meet you and prevent presents you with things that are just a much closer fit. And I I think, you know, yeah, I, this is why I think anybody could do like a, a Tad Hargrave Marketing for Hippies course and like come out feeling spiritually and personally improved. <laughs> so yeah. so it's one of those things where, yeah, lots of things that you, um, uh, your courses and uh, publications and things that you put out, I'm always like, I know I don't, you know, sort of need that because I've done his workshop many times, but I just want to do it because it feels good. And actually that brings me to the next point. I heard you say in the very first workshop I took with you many years ago, sometimes the acknowledgement is the healing. Mm, And that's a line that I've used in workshops and, uh, you know, one-on-one with clients many times. It's a philosophy that I've really embraced that sometimes the acknowledgement is the healing. And, marketing can be like that when you acknowledge for somebody that you've been there or you know you you make yourself vulnerable and say I know how you feel and it probably feels like this I know because I've experienced that but I wonder if you really think like after all the years you've been in uh, marketing and teaching this work do you really think marketing can change the world like really, do you really think that marketing can be healing? Oh, man, um, I think, man, that's a, there's a lot of levels to that question. Well, yeah. <laughs> because marketing happens in a context and that context is the economy. Um, you know, without sort of the economy, there wouldn't be marketing as we know it. And the economy that we have, the majority of it is David Corden talks about the suicide economy and it's destroying everything and it's going to kill itself in the process. Um, and it really is the majority, you know, in the United States, I think maybe only 2% of the farmland is organic out of all the 
coffee grown in the world, maybe two or three percent is fair trade, and the rest is just conventional. So um, sometimes we get in our sort of hippie bubbles, and we forget that the, the vast majority of the culture does not shop organic and uh, couldn't even afford to. Um, <clears throat> so that's the overall context we're in. And anything that lubricates the machine of that is not going to be good for the world. But there's something beyond that, of course. There's this sort of more green, conscious economy. And um, anything that moves us in that direction is going to help reduce the violence uh, and help reduce the, the destruction. Uh, I don't believe that what we're seeing right now is like the green economy is um, actually sustainable. But I do think it's less violent. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that the way of life that's really actually sustainable is something beyond the green or conscious economy. And it much more resembles an indigenous lifestyle. Um, and so I, I see that <clears throat> this rise towards this green conscious economy is a, uh, it's a good means, but it's a terrible ends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I often think about it, it's like the suicide economy is like um, somebody's being beaten seven times a week every day. And the conscious economy is just like once a week, <laughs> right. you know, but it's hard to call that a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's less terrible. Mm-hmm. And we have to acknowledge that. We've got to acknowledge, yes, that is less bad. Um, and, um, you know, if we were to just come onto a, a fresh planet and put in a green economy, that would destroy a lot of that planet, mm-hmm. too, you know, because you need the metal for the copper wiring, for the solar, you need to mine metals for the wind power, you need to. So, um, to me, and I'm I'm drawn way more. I feel like in this whatever's beyond this kind of green economy would also resonate a lot more with you know Charles Eisenstein's work, the book Sacred Economics. This idea of the gift economy, uh, the whole notion of money. I mean, we've got money now, so it's a, it's a strategy we're using to get our needs met. But um, it, for my ancestors in the Highlands of Scotland, money came in relatively recently, and it just wasn't used. There were no inns or taverns. There was the Cayley House, and that was the place everyone went for parties to celebrate. And when the inns and taverns came in, and, and if people came into your area, they were just housed. The, you know, there was an incredible, the, the principle of, of hospitality was paramount. Even if you're, the, you know, your worst enemy showed up and needed a place, you would give him a place. Mm. Uh, there was a, <clears throat> I can't remember the two clans involved, but there was a, a story where there was one clan that was housing another clan and over not, during the night there was a murder uh, of the hosting clan so somebody from the visiting clan had murdered somebody in the hosting clan and the murder wasn't the the terrible thing i mean it was terrible but that wasn't really the issue the real issue was that it had happened under the laws of hospitality mm. and to this day hundreds of years later that clan still has a bit of a black mark on it mm. um because that happened so you know it's like there wasn't money and money came in and people were very suspicious of it. And just like, why do we need this? Because we would just take care of each other. Um, so the, the, the economy that we have, the, the existence of money is this abstract measure of value. Um, all of that I think has problems associated with it. And I think 
the marketing is really important right now in terms of a transition to something less bad. Um, but uh, no, I don't think that ultimately marketing is going to heal the world. I think marketing can help a transition into, into a world where marketing isn't even something that's needed. Mm, yes, that's beautiful. I, I, I really like that thought. And I've been thinking a lot about this sort of meantime work. And it's interesting, you, you have a program called The Meantime. And yeah. if you kind of expand that out, it's like, okay, so this is what we're all doing in the meantime. But what we're really uh, hoping to do is move beyond even this. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I like that idea. I mean, okay. it, you know, it's like a allopathic medicine, you know. I mean, God bless it. <laughs> and there's certain things that you need to do during trauma to keep somebody alive. But it's not what you they need for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing that just as an intervention. Right. You know, and, and certain things, you know, physio. You don't go to physio for the rest of your life necessarily. Mm-hmm. You do it so you can walk again. And, and we are a culture that has a lot of brokenness in it. And um, we need to transition. And so I feel like the green economy is sort of the physio. <laughs> of, you know, it's like building up some strengths and relocalizing things and refamiliarizing ourselves with certain things. Um, yeah, because we are not ready, most of us, I'm not, you know, to just jump back into like a, a more traditional lifestyle. Oh, yeah, no. And there is so much healing to be done, just just as you sort of implied that there's there is, um, you know, the broken bones that need to be mended. And, and that's what I found when I first went to your workshop was that it was like, wow, there is there is space for soul in my even even in how I build my my practice, my private practice, you know, there, that um, I, I did find that there were a, the, a lot of healing elements to being able to approach how I offer myself to the world. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, it, it isn't healing the world, but it's definitely healing my relationship with how I offer myself to the world. Well, and it's that to me, the, the potential for healing is that most of us in our lives are very used to being manipulated. We're very used to being, and not just by marketing, by family, by teachers, by friends, we're used to a certain level of coercion and pushing that does not honor our sovereignty, that does not honor our choice, uh, and that just, um, yeah, treats us as objects to be exploited. And there's a way of doing marketing that doesn't do that. There's a way of doing marketing that is actually so profoundly honoring and respectful that it reminds people that they're worthy of honor and respect. Hmm. And that can be a very healing moment for people. Um, but I, I don't know if it's any more healing than just the everyday kindnesses we can give to each other. You know, when you let somebody in and they, they give you in when you're driving and they give you a little wave or somebody mm-hmm. you know smiles at you on, on the street or the random acts of kindness we can do. Uh, every one of those moments reminds us of like, oh, yeah, people are good and I'm good. And I, I, and I I'm worth goodness, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so marketing done well can do that, um, you know, but just like everything else can too. When you send out newsletters, you do a really good job of that where you always include a funny video or something uplifting. And if anybody follows you on social media, they would see that you, you're rarely talking about your own products and programs. You're usually offering those 
bits of brilliance and and right. uh, little spots of happiness during the day. And people probably don't know some many people probably don't know that you're a very accomplished improv actor and also mm-hmm. a close up magician. Mm-hmm. And when people show up at your workshops, they might also be surprised that you're you you're like a encyclopedia of jokes. So could you just give me like a, a marketing joke? A marketing joke. Oh man. Um, uh, I don't know if I have any marketing jokes. Oh, this is so appalling. Okay. How about a hippie joke? I got all the hippie jokes. Yeah. Um, do you know why the lifeguard didn't save the hippie? Why? He was too far out, man. (laughs) What about a hipster joke? You have all the hipster jokes, too. Oh, I got a few now. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't know if you've heard the new hipster joke. I've, I've got it on vinyl. <laughs> the, uh, um, do you know how the hipster burned his mouth? How did the hipster burn his mouth? Yeah, he ate the pizza before it was cool. Poor hipsters. Okay, Poor. last question on the Numinous podcast. We always end with a question from the Proust questionnaire. So, Tad okay. Hargrave, mm-hmm. what do you consider perfect happiness? I mean, the phrase that comes to mind is just that not thinking that things should be any different than they are. Hmm. That sounds peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for having this conversation with me. I'm so glad I have one recorded for posterity. Perfect. Me too. Personally, I really don't think it matters if you are a holistic practitioner or a heart-centered entrepreneur or if you work as a communications officer in a very large multinational corporation. I think what Tad is talking about and his take on communications is so important. If it resonates with you, I highly encourage you read marketingforhippies.com. And you can even take Tad's introductory workshop online now with a great video, very engaging, very charming guy, and uh, very thorough. You'll learn a ton. I want to thank Tad for coming on the show, and I want to thank you so much for listening. This is a shout out to the people listening in Trinidad and Tobago. What are you guys even doing? You're blowing my mind. It's so awesome to see you downloading. Thank you. Thank you so much. And please share this show far and wide if you liked it, because you never know who needs to hear it right now. I also want to thank sincerely uh, Lisa Larder, who left a review on iTunes Canada saying Carmen is a great interviewer and spiritual advisor. I love listening to her podcast. Thanks, Lisa. I love that you're listening. And also uh, DIY73, who said Carmen takes us on a journey across spiritual experience. She talks to atheists and the devout. She holds as much reverence for the people sharing their experiences as she does for the divine. Wonderful is so eloquent. Thank you for taking the time, DIY73. Thank you, really, sincerely, bottom of my heart. If you would like to get more information about TAD, then please go to my website, carmenspaniola.com, to check out the show notes. C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. You'll find out more about uh, all of his programs. There's a link there for that great blog uh, blog post 
that he wrote called Why Charging What You're Worth is Bullshit. I highly recommend it. And also, uh, I'll put a link to our mutual friend, Mark Silver, and his business, uh, The Heart of Business. If you'd like to keep exploring the great mystery of life with me, you can check out The Numinous School, my online intuition development course. While you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter. You'll instantly receive a meditation download and you'll get something free from me every month. Until next time, take care.